Mutiny Radio out of Emily's the Flat Black Pleasant Joe. Thanks for listening. Go to the website. You donate money, come down and hear people tell funny stories. Come back. Welcome to Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. I'm a therapist and healer here in San Francisco. And if you want real change on a soul level, you've come to the right place. So welcome everybody to Spiritual Psychology. My name's Renee McKenna and I'm a therapist in San Francisco and I'm so excited. I have live guests this morning. I've only had dead guests up to this point and it's really, really fun when they're alive. And so I have um, Carl Berger, who's originally from Maine mm-hmm. and um you know, East Coast. East Coast. Totally represent. Yeah. 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 He traded out. Now he's in the other Portland. Yep. On the other coast, which is this coast. This coast, the other, the other one, yeah. And so, how's it been going? You here for the comedy festival? Yeah, I came down on Friday and been here throughout the weekend, uh, doing a lot of shows. Been on a lot of different podcasts. It's been a blast to uh, to meet a bunch of like really kind of weird, unique individual people and uh, funny comedians and. Uh, see their shows, see their style of humor, and then hang out afterwards. It's been nice to just kind of stand around and spin a yarn. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's A-W. Oh, and that's nice. He ends with the word Poland to indicate that he is from Poland.
All right, letting the boys run out this week. All right, studio line is open, 415-550-0511. My name is Paul Brumbaugh, and you're here on the edge. Sitting back in the studio, man, it is a blustery day. I'm hanging out with Mistress. How you doing, darling? I'm freezing. You're freezing. But it's not as cold as it was last week. No, it's not. It's not as cold, but it's blustery. It's windy, and it's rainy. Well, yeah. It is that. It's icky. It is icky outside. So I'm going to send you on a hot coffee run. So make thank sure. Thank God to, I have an umbrella that, you know, covers all my entire body. Yeah. And thank God you brought the big one. So we're sitting here. Um, my shout out to Nancy P., my girl up there. Uh, yo, yo. Of the house. Yo, yo. For the second Nancy time. P., yeah. For so, the second time. Apparently people like her. I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> It's better than uh, what we had just uh, a month ago, not even a month ago. Well, good written. You know, now we have a little bit of our checks and balances back. Yeah, a little bit. A that, little that bit. Was, that was my big concern. A little bit of control, a little bit of equal equalization here in the country. So that's a good thing. Um, what else is going on? Holy smokes. What else is going on in the world? Um, What's that? You're going to get coffee? Yeah. Okay, then go get coffee. Okay, bye. Bye. Um, I'm sitting back here in the studio with a comedian and new friend of mine, uh, Jeff Rennie. How you doing, Jeff? Good. Good to see you. Want to make sure I had the right mic for you. Um, now, uh, this is the first time you've been to Edge Studios, but not the first time you've been to Mutiny Radio. That's right. Have you performed here before? No, no. I, I think I tried to get on stage at an open mic once, but it was fully booked, and so I just... It was like a Friday night where they have the cattle call of people where there's like 60 comedians yeah, it was like that. listed, and yeah, it's literally, we put them on a conveyor belt, and they just kind of move through. Yep. It's kind of wild, but um, no, we got to get you on one of those shows. We love it here at Mutiny, um, but it's good to see you. Last time uh, we saw each other was at the Elks Club in Redwood City, right? That's right. There you go. Um, you were uh, well-received, my man. Well-received. They like you. Cool. Uh, you found your, you found your, um, your demographic. Um, Elks Club members, yes. Elks Club, yes. <laughs> That's my demographic. That's your demographic. <laughs> now, how long have you been doing comedy for, man? Uh, about four years. Like, my first time I went on stage was 2014, but, like, I took some time off, so about, about, um, Four years altogether. Yeah, I'm gonna have you switch to that microphone. Right, by the way, no, you can just yeah, you can either just. Uh, Let me try to. Oh, that sounds better. Yeah. Way better. Way better. Yeah, because I'm trying to get a better level on you so I can hear you. So you've been doing it for about four years now. Right. Um, and and where do you think your material stems from at this point? Just like me and all my personal experiences, and I mean that's what you got to draw from. There you go. Yeah. That, it is. It is kind of. Uh, so are you a observationalist? Mostly. Mostly. Mostly observational. Okay. And it's, yeah. it, it's about other people and you just watching, sitting back and watching the world? A, a lot of that. Like a lot of it is about. Um, or is it self-observation? It's both. It's about, I guess, like half self-observation, half. Actually. <laughs> 
One of my favorite bits uh, is I take off my shirt on stage and everyone observes me, uh, which if you know me, then like taking off my shirt can only result in one thing and that's laughter. (laughs) Right. It's never going to result in getting anyone's phone numbers or or getting a date out of that. Right. You're not, you're not getting laid after your set. Mm. You're not getting panties thrown up on the stage. That's not They are, they're not girls no <laughs> that's right that's right a lot They're of young young boys a lot of or something I don't a know. lot of men like bears i hear so uh <laughs> i might have a i might have an untapped audience here yeah in San you Francisco. have you have a you have a, a thin bear look you're not you're not husky enough to be a bear you're actually oh you're, is that you're, you're a normal human being you're I did, straight up and down i didn't realize that was an added dimension middle-aged hairy gay and usually a little heavy set. They like to show their belly. Okay, so, so like a, I'm two for four. I'm which, half which bear. Which is great. I wish you guys. I'm glad you guys can't see me. This is a bear. I see. It's a bear belly. A, that's a bear belly. Nice. And if I was to expose that on stage, they would run from the room screaming. <laughs> I used to be. It's funny. I'd be able. To, I, I I can do this thing where I. Uh, what is it? Distend or it. Extend, extend my belly out to a point of where it's like, oh my God, is it going to fucking pop? So yeah. that's just, sorry, I just didn't want to alarm you. I thought you, you thought an right. alien was going to come out and get you at that point. Well, thanks for the heads up. Yeah, no problem. Yep. Um, so now you're here from the Bay. Where do you live? Well, what city? Um, down in Mountain View. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you're from the peninsula, mm-hmm. um, originally from the peninsula. No, I grew up near Philadelphia, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. How long you been out here? I moved to Southern California in high school. Okay. And then I went to Cal. And cool. then I've been up here pretty much ever since. Yeah, you never left uh, the Cal Berkeley area. Yeah. All right, cool. You left. You stayed in the Bay. It's a beautiful place. So. Yeah. Um, what did you study in school? Computer science. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Anything to do with the day job now? Oh, definitely. Okay. Cool. So yeah. it, it actually made you some money. You you did something that was worthwhile. Definitely. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So and that that actually, um, are you at the point where comedy supports you full time or no? Not even close. Okay. Cool. Not even close. So so it's really crucial you have that day job. Yay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I had to get go back into um, the 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 job sector if you will um just recently because oh yeah you would have saw me on the side of a road saying you know we'll work for laughs or whatever <laughs> and it, it would have been horrible you know yeah. uh eating uh, beefaroni out of a can whatever it was um but yeah you, you have to do that to do what you love um do you stay close to the bay i don't know if are you a family man i don't know much about you so i'm gonna uh, delve into you what you what you are so i want to find out who you are are you a family guy do you have a family yeah i do i got uh two daughters and a wife and uh we're all in mountain view so that's a, a big part of what's keeping me grounded right so you don't do a lot of uh let's say traveling a lot of no. touring or anything like that so nope. you stay really close to the back yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you got a re- you got a job, so you have responsibilities. A I lot do. of comics, and and just to let you guys know, I mean, it looks like you were of the same generation you and I, mm-hmm. and so a lot of these uh, our contemporaries, which are twenty somethings, yeah, um, sometimes don't have those responsibilities. Don't you kind of rem- uh, miss those days where you could just kind of piss off your day? It would have been nice, yeah. <laughs> like if I if I had started this fresh out of college. Right? things could have been much different i think that's probably the biggest thing yes there's the difference in years i would have loved to have been doing this 30 years ago so i could say i'm 30 years in at this point 
but I think the biggest thing is, yeah, I would have loved him to be able to have that much free time. Yeah. Um, because on the, on the other hand, though, I've thought about this a lot. I wouldn't have like all these life experiences to build off. Okay, of and talk so there about. you go. You, you wouldn't. It, it, all your premises would be empty. Yeah, like I'd be talking about, I don't know, shoes uh, or something. It would be dick jokes. Yeah. It'd be stupid puns or play on words or right. I don't know. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't be of anything of any substance. Right. 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 So yeah, you're right. Life experience. You were just talking about. We were well. Or I just asked you, where does your writing come from? And then you yeah. said life experience and observation, self, and 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 sitting there and watching others. Um, but that's another reason. I, you have to be able to have those moments in time that you can gleam your material from, right? Absolutely. And so, and then once you have that material, you got to actually know what you got and be able to shape it. You know, everybody has their way of doing it. I could, I could write my set out verbatim, type it up for you, hand it to you and have you do my set on stage. But if you hadn't heard my inflection in my voice or how I'd done my set before, yeah. it would come out so different coming out of you. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm checking the phone to see if I want to answer your damn call. Oh no. Oh yeah. No, we can. Hey, you guys, uh, we're about to go into our 1215 interview. I believe he's calling in all the way from Columbus, Ohio. We'll, we'll check this out. Good friend and comedian, uh, Cody Woods, everybody. How you doing, Cody? Doing good, man. Hello, Paul. It's good to hear your voice again. Absolutely, man. It's been a minute. So is that where you're at? You're out in Columbus, Ohio? I'm out in Columbus, Ohio, watching... Uh... Uh, the Chargers play the Baltimore Ravens because I have a friend that is playing on the Chargers now. And uh, I want to see if he gets a few plays in. So, Oh, that's cool. That's day. that's pretty wild when you got somebody that's actually in the NFL that's a friend of yours. Yeah, it's pretty – yeah. He, he got a tackle uh, the other week. forget who he's playing. Oh, yeah, he was playing the Chiefs. And then uh, within his first few plays, he got a tackle. And then uh, it actually even went to replay. And to hear it, like, uh, I don't know if it was Marv Albert. I, don't, I forget who was the announcer. But to hear him say number 56, Kyle Wilson, I was like, oh, my God, man. I knew this guy when he was, like, five years old. I mean, and it's probably like the hair went up on your arm or the back of your neck, right? Oh, my God, the chills. And, it's, you know, got a little teary, you know? It's like, I oh, yeah, man, it gets out. emotional. Just to let you know, I've got another uh, Bay Area comedian in the room, Jeff Rennie, with me. So just in case you hear another voice chiming How's it going, in. Cody? Hi there, Jeff. How are you? Good. So, no, that must be really emotional. I mean, yeah, you've known him since you were five years old or fifth grade. What was it? Well, I knew him since he was five. I was uh, like 10. And then so we used to play football together and we used to just blow him up because he was only five years old. He never cried. <laughs> like he, was just, he would just take hits like nothing. And then <laughs> now he's in the NFL, which makes sense. Like he just such a tough kid. So do you think, do you think he got any of his toughness from playing with you? I'm going to go ahead and take credit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, right? Because you were the older yeah. kid. You probably, you know, you probably didn't pick on him per se, but you were probably pretty hard on him, toughened him up, yeah, right? You were another boy to a boy, so. <laughs> yeah. We were very rough with him. It was, uh, <laughs> we used to do, like, uh, pro wrestling moves and stuff, like just him and the rest of his brothers. And uh, anytime 
we needed to do a suplex. We're like, oh, well, we need Kyle because, you know, he's 40 pounds. So then we would just, like, slam him. Like, like <laughs> perfect, like, vertical suplex. If you know pro wrestling, like, we would actually – we would be hitting these moves perfectly. And But anytime we had, like, a real move where it's like he's got to be over our heads, <laughs> we'd grab him and throw him up and throw him down. <laughs> He didn't give a shit. Well, that's good. I mean, so maybe you have a fallback. If it's not comedy, Cody, maybe what you can do is you can condition (laughs) young children to become NFL stars in the future. That's right. Yeah. Just smack them around a bit. (laughs) No, no. Condition is the word. Condition. Oh, yes. We're conditioning. Conditioning. Right. So now you've been up to a lot of things. You're always touring, doing a lot of stuff. What what prompted me even to, to, after I called or messaged you earlier uh, this week was that um, I saw a picture with you and Kevin Hart and Linnell. Yeah. And that was from uh, Heart of the City, right? That's right. We taped that in July. We're still waiting for it to air. I mean, who knows if Kevin Hart has any more opinions about gays. (laughs) We're going to see if that shit airs. It it sounds like you need to put another 35 cents in the phone you're in. No, I'm sorry. There's somebody else trying to call through if you guys hear that. Um, But no, but so tell me a little bit about that experience. That was uh, really amazing. Um, so we had to do a competition in Oakland. Um, they called me up since I was mainly an East Bay comic for about eight years. And they just said, hey, you know, if, you, uh, if you're in the top three of this competition, they're going to record you for Comedy Central. Um, so I happily did it. I was coming down from Redding, California. I did a show up there and I passed through. I just did it. And then I waited like two months to hear back. And then um, they called me back while I was on a on a Greyhound next to freshly released inmates. So I couldn't even be excited <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> you could be, but that would just be a totally different story, and we don't have a long enough show. But anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I couldn't just be like, oh, my God, you guys, I'm going to be on TV. Can you believe it? Here, can you watch my thing? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, so then, uh, yeah, and then I did it, and then... We recorded it in July, and uh, then we did an interview, I think. I'm sorry, we recorded it in June, and then in July we recorded an interview with Kevin because he can't even come to the shows anymore because he's getting so damn famous. Like, it's hard for him to go anywhere now. He he has a show that he's hosted and produced. He's he's, he's the executive producer but can't make it to it because he's so damn busy. Now, that would be a beautiful place to be as a comedian. Right. Yeah, that really would. As long, as, long as you had no door. other personal life. Yeah. You know, because yeah, you'd be constantly, overrated. you'd be constantly. Uh, oh, personal life's overrated. <laughs> yeah. Like when you have that level of cash, I mean, like fuck it, who cares about love? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you just like yeah, I'll, I'll think about that shit when I'm on my deathbed. I'll be smiling and you know whatever hookers and cocaine everywhere but i'll be on my deathbed anyway whatever whatever your dream is i don't know what your 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 scarface dream is i'm just throwing it out there but i think we have similar goals (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm saying so okay so that was a really cool experience now i don't i think you've worked with linnell before haven't you yeah i uh i opened for a lot and she she really helped me out on social media. She'd 
she would like tag me in posts and all that. And then uh, she surprised us during that interview per portion because it's supposed to be just me, Mario Hodge, G King, and uh, Kevin. Right. But Lunell just walked in out of nowhere, and she's like, and so they're really uh, they're putting more effort into the Oakland uh, episode because they didn't do shit like that for Dallas or Rochester. So, um. Well, that that oh, would be God. that would be really good because we need we need that exposure. There's so much talent here that's it's untapped talent that needs to get out there. Yeah, I mean, in the, yeah. in the I say in the greater Bay Area, there's over 400 comedians on social media now. Not all working, not all doing showcases, but they're all over the place, right? They're everywhere from A to Z, but they're out there. We're we're oversaturated, but there's some really great comedians that that live here and you know if you can see the forest through the trees wow there's not even just diamonds in the rough i, I there's people that are already diamonds without the rough they're ready to go certainly i mean you know what uh, yeah and speaking to one of them right now that's sitting in columbus ohio ah <laughs> uh, thank you um because you always make me laugh. So, by the way, the, the, I watch so many other comedians. I didn't mean to cut you off, by the way. Um, oh, I, I watch other, so many other comedians that you're one of the comedians that all actually, oh, okay, I've got to watch this because he's going to make me laugh. But you were you were saying before, before I cut you off. Um, well, that's, I'll, I'll even add to that. It's like the, the laughs that really that I love are if other comedians sit to watch, you know, and then or if comedy club staff like starts like stops what they're doing like they just stop serving drinks and they sit and watch for a second right then you're like oh god i'm doing something right this is really good uh the rest of those peasants i don't give a shit but (laughs) (laughs) but what do you think comedian go ahead what if a comedian or a staff member you just know because they they've seen a lot of comedy so if you can get them to kind of you know tune in and you know or even laugh then it's uh that's a good sign yeah, if you can get another comedian to laugh or even listen, to get his head out of his phone. <laughs> no, I'm just going to get him, his head out of his I was, phone. I was looking at, looking up Cody Woods. I, no, I, I thought yeah, you were tweeting, live no, tweeting not. about him now. How, yes. About t- Cody Woods. That's what you were doing. So that's you were promoting him. Go that's check him out. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Way to, way to clean that up, Paul. Oh, yeah, no, I called him on it. I was trying to say no, but there's if you can get a comic to get out of their notebook, get out of their phone, not go out and get stoned or smoke a cigarette, not go to the bathroom, not to go, you know, because there's so many comedians, as soon as they go on stage, they, open, they start their opening joke, and you're like, oh, it's time to go outside. Oh, it's time to go get a shot. Oh, it's, you know, it's out of here. I'm gone. Because um, I've heard this too many times, or it's time just to okay, I'm just going to proof what I'm about to do on stage or whatever. But yeah, you, you tune out a lot. Um, why do you think there is this disdain of that comedians aren't real people when they're sitting in the audience? I just think they're a harder, like you just said, if you can get their attention, you know, that's even better. I mean, why do you think some comedians think that other comedians in the audience aren't worth their laugh? I've laughed at other comedians in their show, and they're like, shut up. Because <laughs> I've wow. laughed so loud, and my my laugh is a little obnoxious. I got to admit, I'm one of those ones that are like, ugh, okay. But I've had you know, comedians call me out on it. Oh. Well, I don't, you know, comedians are very miserable people, and, you know, they've, 
they see a lot of joke angles before it even happens. So it, and some of them are just competitive. So I mean, it's really just the trifecta of uh, miserableness uh, when it comes to audience members. Comedians are probably the worst. But um, if you get them laughing, though, that's just definitely the best ego boost. And then if they're laughing along with the audience, if it's you know stuff that's not playing to the back of the room, if it's working with the audience and the comedians, then that's you know that's a win. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. So what what dates you got coming up? What do you got going on, Cody, in the future here? So give us a little plug what you got going on in the future. Well, I'm finally taking a break from the road, so I have some scattered stuff throughout the West. Um, I have January 16th in San Carlos, so I'm finally back in the Bay. Woohoo! I've been in the East Coast for, like, the past three weeks. Um, and let's see. Oh, and Banning, California, I got January 12th, so... So far, that's actually it. Um, really? Because you're usually just banging the pavement and you're all over the place. Yeah. Well, the reason why I laid off the bookings is because they always they told me that the Heart of the City thing was going to air in January. So I was like, okay, I'm going to leave January open just in case if uh, some cool meeting happens. Oh, yeah. Uh, but not what happened. Um, they pushed it back to February now, and I can't help but think that it has something to do with the tweets. You know, or I hope it's not, but I think that's what's going on. Oh, yeah, they that makes sense, right? You know, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. They were telling me, like, oh, no, the editing uh, is taking forever, which makes sense because they outsource almost everything on that show. So they really, I mean, I shouldn't say this publicly, but they suck. Like, they really suck at, like, uh, a lot of details in production. And I wouldn't, because they work with so many, like, uh, just they outsource, you know, like, even the... Even when we shot the episode in Oakland, they hired a San Francisco-based um, production company. So, like, they have all these third parties that they're working with. They're, they don't really have an in-house production uh, company. So, if they're outsourcing the editors, editing comedy could be really hard because uh, the angles are easy, but the content, like trying to time it right and condense what this comedian had to say into five minutes and the other comedian and then leave room for Kevin Hart's stuff. So it, it's really tough. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're backlogged on editing, but, or very well could be that uh, Kevin Hart had some homophobic tweets and now they're trying to take him out. So who knows? Right. Well, you know, I, you know, you, you, you're probably right. It could be either or, and I'm, I'm hoping for the, the latter of the two that it's just an editing thing here. And, I, you know, I kind of get that thing about the, the farming it out almost to a third party, a local party, because it's almost cheaper for if you're someone, a big company like that, a big production company like that, especially if you're a network, you know, Comedy Central, whatever you want to do, BET, whatever it is, you probably got people in every major metropolis that you can call yeah. upon and say, hey, by the way, you guys want to make some money? I got a gig for you. And I so, would hope so. And so they're not just a fly-by-night company. That's probably why they had somebody here. But there's a lot of reasons. It's mostly just it's cost-effective, I think. Yeah. So Definitely makes sense for them to cut costs. But um, I just don't see them having, like, in-house editors. They probably outsource that, too. And they probably just make dumbass decisions. Um, and maybe they wanted a little bit of time between. 
between the tweets and the release because they're going to get better numbers if they do. Look at Louis C.K. He's back like nothing, right? Right. Well, I don't know. (laughs) That's a a totally different story. But what I'm saying is time heals wounds in a lot of cases. Sure does. And and Kevin Hart didn't do anything near as whatever. So, I mean, what I'm saying is just time heals wounds. Yeah, and luckily Ellen stepped in. So, thank God she... That's that, that's that comedian camaraderie at the top, even, you know. Well, yeah, there was a few brought, comedians that came to it, but Ellen really came to us. Yeah, to Ellen's his a big deal, because she's hosted that Oscars, like, twice. And, right. And, you know, she's part of the LGBT every And uh, so hopefully that heals just enough. And they're asking him back, so that'd be funny if he just says no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be good that would be that would be good i mean that would be good for him too uh hooray fuck yeah um okay so uh tell us what you you said san carlos what date in january yeah it's going to be out of brew in uh, san, san carlos on january 16th and uh the brewery is actually called um devil's called? Uh, devil's canyon brewery that's right, Devil's Canyon Brewing Company on uh, uh, on Washington Street. That's right, in Washington Street yeah. in San Carlos, beautiful place. Um, I can't yeah. wait to see you. That's where I'm going to go see you. Awesome, so, man. So yeah. I'll be there. Got to see that show. Um, so it's good to talk to you. I'm going to let you get back to the game and let you get back to your friend. And good luck, man. I hope he uh, doesn't get put on his ass like he did when he was five. Right. I'll talk to you, man. All right. All right. Now, how do we keep up with everything? Pleasure talking to you, but how do we keep up with everything Cody Woods? Tell us how to get uh, keep up with you, man. I, I'm old school. I love a website, man. CodyJWoods.com. But if you guys are social media people, I have all my social media there that I'm willing to uh, endure. I can't endure Twitter anymore, so I'm not on there at all. Uh, but Instagram, Facebook, it's all on my. Uh, website codyjwoods.com c-o-d-y-j-woods.com all right hey thanks cody man i'll see you when you get out here and, and enjoy the game dude thanks man talk right. to you soon. good to talk all to you right, soon man. all right we're back here live uh in studio and that's weird all of a sudden i feel like i lost this for a second that is strange but i can hear myself here um but we're back here with jeff rennie um what do you think, man? That's kind of interesting. Being able to be on a show like a uh, Comedy Central show like that, and and you're just kind of waiting. You like you finally get some real play, yeah. And then it's just a waiting game. I would just be loaded with. Uh, it, man, it's 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 tough. I hear like I'm not in the business yet, but I hear so many stories about how there's just like production make you know edits things and things get delayed, and it's just like. Sounds like a nightmare. Right. It's just every little thing counts, and it's just, yeah. So uh, definitely would love to see that uh, Heart of the City come out real soon. So got my fingers crossed for that. Uh, now, what do you got coming going on? How do we how do we keep up with everything Jeff Rennie before we go into some sort of break here? Yeah, I post on Facebook whenever I'm doing a show, which uh, I don't do real shows very often, like once a month. Yeah. Uh, once a month or so. Right. Um, most of the time I'm writing, working on my material. 
trying to make it better so when you come to a show it's worthwhile <laughs> sure absolutely yeah. oh not just the same old shit over yeah. and over again yeah okay. like, it makes sense to me I, I know a lot of comedians out there like they they're like get on stage get on stage get on stage all the time but i'm like you know i need time to process what happened at the last show i need to watch that tape i need to figure out where people laughed or they didn't laugh and uh make it better the next time around before i go up again no so that's, good that's how i do it there you go so you've got, it looks like you've got your notes. You're ready to go. Are you doing anything tonight? Are you going, since no. you're in the city now and you're from Mountain View, are you going to do the punchline or uh, going could, to any huh? open mics after the show today? Or are you camping out here in the city? I hadn't thought of that. I totally could. I you may, totally, I may know. totally could. I may now. You may now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention during the monologue, but I didn't really kind of, I just started talking to you is I noticed that the rain is really made and i think it's maybe also in combination with uh mayor london breed's efforts to get homeless uh encampments cleared out that a lot of different new places have popped up and a lot more homeless are popped up and also the the weather um there's a lot of people on the streets uh this weather's bad it's getting colder um so I guess the main thing is if you're here in the city, just be aware of that. Just be aware that there's more um, homeless that are even living on the curbs. I just tried to park my car. There was no way I was going to be able to park it in the spot without hitting someone's tent. And so, you know, just be aware that they're there and, and you know, you don't need to back into to a tent. They're in there. <laughs> so... Um, there's a lot of things like that um, and a lot of other crazy stuff. But also, you know, you got a chance. People out there, you, there's people that live in excess. Myself alone, I think I have uh, probably about 20 jackets at home. I probably need to give at least 10 of them away. I'm looking at Christine and she's saying possibly. Let me check. Yeah, she's saying yes. Um <laughs> So, I mean, you guys have, you have extra uh, jackets at home. You've got extra blankets at home. Um, if you're not in a big city, you don't have to be in San Francisco, L.A., New York, Chicago to find a homeless person that you can give a, a warm article of clothing to. Um, and believe me, they'll take it. I work at a, um, in a retail store where I had somebody come in and just come in and grab a stack full of the, the sales ads to line his pants that had been ripped in the seat multiple times just to stay warm that night alone. Um, a pair of old pants, a uh, old jacket, blanket goes a long way for these people. And, and, and we don't need any other people to uh, fall victim to uh, the extremes of weathers, especially with these crazy, crazy numbers we've been seeing. Hey guys, um, enough of that, but definitely go out and, uh, spread a little love yourself or give to those organizations that do the Red Cross and all those people, St. Vincent de Paul, your local, um, goodwill. I don't know. If you're, you're in the South Bay, uh, Pete, do you know the comedian in the South Bay? I think it's Pete Munoz. He's yeah. Uh, Pete Munoz. Yeah. He's collecting, um, sleeping bags. There you go. He's got like, he's working with a charity that collects sleeping bags and hands them out to the homeless. Uh, so that's another good way to contribute. 
There you go. Um, we're going to go into a musical break, and then I'm going to be right back uh, with Jeff Rennie, so don't go away, okay, guys? She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm going to be As a kite by then I miss the earth so much I miss my wife It's lonely out in space On such a time this flight
talking to my uh this guy jerry that i know and he's one of these guys you know those people who they sound like they're happy for you but they're they they sound like they're in pain also you know people that talk like that he's like hey what's going on and i go well my sister is getting married oh that's wonderful oh that's ter- oh that's terrific yeah i think we're gonna have a baby oh my god Thanks, pal. Wile E. Coyote, super genius. I like the way that rolls out. Wile E. Coyote, super genius. Wile E. Coyote, super genius. upset that George Bush keeps quoting the Bible in all his fucking speeches? Does that get on anyone's last nerve? Does it ever occur to him that it's all those stupid fucking religions that start all this shit in the first place? National Day of Prayer? Fuck you. You think you're doing something? You're not. You can sit at home and cry jinx and keep your fingers crossed, too. It does as much good. You want to pray? Pray all day. Pray on your own time. You want to help? Grab a shovel and start digging there, pinwheel, because it looks like your God takes Tuesdays off. That's what gets you through your day, sure. Live it up. I, I don't think they 
they should be able to teach religion till you're 18 years old. And you know what? It'd be a whole different world. Because if they weren't pushing that shit into your head while it was still soft, you'd never buy it. Not for a minute. If you walked into a... You'd never heard about the Bible. And none of your friends have ever heard about Christianity. And you just found the Bible in a used bookstore. Oh, you'd jump right on that idea, wouldn't you? Oh, this sounds completely logical. Yes. The cave and the ark. And oh, yeah. Hey, Donnie, I think I found the meaning of life here. No, you'd fucking chuck it in the wastebasket. You would. If it gets you through your day, go. I don't think you believe it in the first place. You know what? All these people, every tragedy, not just this one, all the time, they cry on the news and they go, oh, it was terrible and it was tragic, but he's in a better place now. He's with Jesus and we have to... Then why are you crying? If he's in this utopia, this fucking paradise, why are you crying? He was in the best place he could ever be. You should be happy. Did you cry when he got a fucking job promotion and a new car, too? It's terrible. It's terrible how happy he is for eternity. If you really believe death leads to eternal bliss, then why are you wearing a seatbelt? to be incomplete Till I saw what I was looking for at a drive-in swap meet My life, it won't be the same again Elvis. 
watching my TV. I know the king is always looking down on me. He looks so handsome, he stands so tall. So glad he's big enough to cover up that hole in the wall. Velvet Elvis, he's so All right, we're back here live in studio with Jeff Rennie. Studio line is open at least for a couple more minutes. 415-550-0511. Weird is kicking back. uh, Breaking bread, so to speak. Tell us a little bit about your creation here. I don't want to eat it while I'm actually talking because that's bad bad radio play. But uh, tell us about, yeah, what's that? Bad behavior. Bad behavior. There you go. Um, which, yeah, doesn't apply to me at all. Tell us about your creation that you brought into the studio today. So I just brought some whole wheat bread that I made at home the old-fashioned way, like uh, kneading it by hand, and um, turned out pretty good. I make one about like once a week. This one turned out all right. Little, you can get... This is all right? It, yeah, it, it can turn out better. It can turn out like rising higher. Okay, I'm just saying, if it was warm, like I would be stealing the loaf and running away. <laughs> so that's I what like I was it. telling you that it, you know that's the one thing about bread it's it's best when served hot. But if it's cold and you're getting uh, a raving Yelp review <laughs> over here in the corner, that's pretty good. So you put a little Thank bit you. of love into this. Yeah, it, you gotta you gotta knead it by hand and work it. That's like the best part of of kneading bread. Like people think that kneading bread is this chore. Right. right. But like if you can actually you, you get to beat the hell out of it, you get to like <laughs> fold it. And, and it's it's such a de-stressing experience. You can like skip yoga that day because you're you're in a very relaxed You're getting place. your aggressions out on wheat and Just gluten your, and so apparently your I frustration. Need, Absolutely. Wheat, apparently gluten, I need to de-stress by making bread. There you go. Okay. I can see I, you, I'm try. waiting for the book to come out. That's right. <laughs> Jeff Rennie says. Distress by like, when you need yeah. when you need to distress. Nice. <laughs> but the need to distress by Jeff Rennie. Um, so I don't know, um, but that's cool. Uh, how long have you been baking? Or I know since you were no just knee like, high to an oven. Just like a couple of years. Just a couple of years. I've been doing couple it. years. And like the first ten loaves were horrible. Uh, it it's it's a lot of. Um, Trial and error. A lot of trial and error. Like the the yeast is very finicky. You got to get the balance of the of of everything just right uh, in order to get a good loaf of bread. It's like there's a there's kind of a reason why letting the professionals at the bakery do it for you became so popular because it is it's hard to do well. Um, but I stuck with it, kind of like I'm sticking with comedy. 
Now, how long does this bread keep for? Because this is really moist. I had to take a bite just so I had something to be able yeah. to say about it. Really moist, really good. I see what um, Christine was saying. It's like, yeah, this is just okay. It's awesome. It, it only keeps for a week. Like after after two days, it's it's pretty dry. And then like on day six or seven, it turns moldy. Right. So that, that's like a good measure of like knowing the quality of your bread is like how quick does it turn moldy? You mean how much preservatives mm -hmm. it does not have in that's it? Right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. How much crap is not just bread, you know, like flour, whey and oats or whatever you got going yeah. on in it. So and this is much better flavor. Uh, it does. It does. Yeah. It has great flavor. And it, like I said, it, you could have gave me this and I would have said, wow. Well, what kind of bread did you, where did you buy this? Or yeah. where did you get this? Wow, this is good stuff. I would have definitely would have, I would have questioned, questioned the bread. <laughs> yeah, nice toast. Why don't you get this? It's <laughs> almost a shame to toast it. It tastes almost. good toasted too. It tastes good toasted too. Yeah. <laughs> Have it anyway. <laughs> Take it anyway. Eat bread. We love bread. I'm 100% gluten. I love it too. Myself. I'm just gluten from head to toe. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if wow, you can take it, I love it. My stomach just growled. <laughs> Did you guys hear that out there in Radio yeah. Land? Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, in stepping into the studios Hi, like a drowned rat, it's Mike Spiegelman, everybody. Oh, I see, hello. <laughs> so he's coming in. Boy, oh, man. Oh, poor guy in the um, He's going to come in with the weather report later today. <laughs> It's looking partially outside. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Um, and we're getting close to the top of the hour. We're going to roll over the commercial break. Why? They're not paying me to pay the, uh, do the commercials. Fuck those guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the fake commercials we play. <gasps> I mean, fake news, fake commercials. Not me. What? No, never. On anyway. the comedy station? Come on now. Never, never. So, um, what kind of, <laughs> what, what got you started or what was your first experience doing comedy? Uh, so the reason I got into comedy, uh, was cause I had a big fear of public speaking and I'm like, I got to get over this. I got to work through this. This is holding me back in a variety of ways. How do I get past this? And like, you know, I was looking at different ways like Toastmasters or whatever, and then I'm like, no, I want to, I want to dive into the deep end. I'm going to go for stand-up comedy. Um, You're going to conquer that fear. Yeah, I'm going to own it. Yeah, I'm not. Now, is it because you had to do something? <laughs> like you had to do some sort of public speaking and you... It was to the point where like even at meetings at work, like I was really hesitant to speak up um, and just talk. Created fear, anxiety, and just... All the above. And then after you got out of there, kicking yourself in the ass. Yeah, right. Most of the time, especially when right. you can't speak up. So now right, when right. I speak, it's funny because when I speak my mind now, people look at me, they get really, their eyes get big. All of a sudden they're like, ooh, <laughs> wow. You just shared your, your inner thoughts, didn't you? And I'm like, yes, I did. Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to know how I feel. Yeah. You know, um, and, it, and it's and it's borderline sometimes with relationships, um, especially having no filter. I know that um, most comedians can speak for that. Um, Cody was speaking about um, it all comes from a place of doom and gloom. A lot of it does, but a lot of it comes from um, kind of like self coping mechanisms. 
For sure. Yeah. A lot of it comes from like negativity. Like how do I restructure this negativity in a way that like I can communicate it with people and they enjoy it and we all laugh, you know, it's, it's how do you repackage it, repackage it, shine it up. It's almost like polishing it up for, and serving it out to them. So it's, um, almost more palatable. Yeah. You, you, we can take subjects that are really dark and dreary. You yeah. know, they say some of the best comedy is so close to tragedy that's why it walks that really, you know, that razor line, razor thin line. Um, and that's what makes it so impactful, mm -hmm. I guess. Totally. Um, so what was actually the first time you walked on stage? I mean, what was I? I signed up at the uh, San Francisco Comedy College. I'm sure you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Curtis the Comedy College. Yeah, I think like everybody comes through there at some a lot, point. There's a lot of comedians and it used to get, well, it's had mixed reviews. I've heard people bash it. I've heard people say, okay, whatever. I think any education is fine. Yeah. I don't think you should hang your hat on. I don't think you should be green to the scene, go through there and think that just because I've graduated from there, I've, I've now become a full fledged, doctor ready to do brain surgery on stage comedian no absolutely not yeah. right yeah. and so long as you don't have that as long as you take it in consider can in consideration that hey this is just education and i'm adding it to what i've already my knowledge i've already known uh, plus the knowledge i'm gonna gain over the time that i'm gonna be on stage you know yeah. i call it flight time yeah uh, it's time in the air yeah. How, long, how long can you keep it up without the Viagra, basically? And so, <laughs> but but that's what it is. And, yeah. and, and you got to have some sort of control. And so, um, well, that's cool. That's good. No, I, I like the comedy college. It's fine. Like I yeah. said, as long as you don't hang your hat on any one given thing. Right. Um, but knowledge is key. So you came through there. Um and then they kind of one thing about the comedy college is they will kind of at least put your foot in the door and kind of tell you where to get stage time. Yes. They, they create stage time for you, not only on premises, but they create stage time at nearby venues um, in the North Beach area. Right. Most of the time it used to be like places like the Purple Onion and stuff. Now it's like uh, Purple Onion of Kells and right. stuff like that. Um, but uh, they do that. They also um, kind of introduce you how to get that information that, you know, if I was to really take somebody, if I had just, let's say I went to an open mic tonight and I meet a comedian that never had done, have ever been to an open mic before. He's new to the scene, doesn't know anybody. And I was to talk to him and I'd go, hey, can I save you a, a year off your learning? Come over tomorrow. Let's talk for an hour, hour and a half. And I bet you I can really just start taking notes. Mm -hmm. And it would be all just kind of silly, stupid stuff. Kind of like the comedy college gives you like, where do I get stage time? How do you acquire it? What is open mic etiquette? Mm -hmm. um, how to uh, self-promote yourself and get showcases. How to build a set. How to write, write a joke from the punchline backwards. How to, you know, there's just a... Uh, so many things that I can throw in this uh, grab bag of comedy that um, would just be so helpful to people, even just open mic etiquette. I can't tell you how many uh, new people to the scene don't understand exactly what everything means. Yeah. 
Um, where to get that? Open my. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. Tap hard. I want to see it. I don't see it. You're not lighting up at all. Give me another one. We're good. I was waiting for Mike to input a little bit there. Spiegelman wanted to say something. There you go. Go ahead. What do you got to say, Mike? About open mic etiquette? Yeah, absolutely. So Mike Spiegelman is not only the host of Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie here on uh, on YouTube, on on here on Mutiny Radio, but he also has been a producer for how long have you been producing shows here in the Bay? Uh, 20 years. 20 years? Yeah, I said during the 90s. I would just say yeah, open mic etiquette. Uh, there's no such thing as a soundproof greeting room at any of these open mics. Uh, everybody is coming to a location. You can come here to spoil it for anyone else. If you have a conversation, keep it outside. There's no space whatsoever in the theater, whether it's in a green room, a closed room, or behind the stage, or at the bar, that people cannot hear you. They will all hear you. So I would say shut the fuck up. Let the other comedians who came all the way up there do their time without you ruining it. Yeah, and I'm actually one of those people that makes sure that I'm sitting in the audience for the most part. Well, you know, I mean, etiquette-wise, you should stay for at least one comic after you for the full set. You, in you in should, an open you, mic setting? You should bolt. You should let the, other comedian, the next comedian perform, sit and watch the set. And then... What about a showcase? Showcase, I would just say out of sight, out of mind. Let, let the producers run the show. If you want to be outside the whole time, that's fine. Uh, but just be ready for your set and not to talk, honestly. Uh, during the performance, I was at a show Friday and there was a really funny comic who was closing and it was one of those things where I wasn't running the room, so I didn't have to tell him to shut up. But you know, the only, it's one of those moments where the only time you can't hear a comedian talk during a show is when that comedian's on stage. And, and as a host slash producer, what's your worst nightmare? Well, you know what it is, is that my priority is my show. And on any given night, a comedian's priority is to do as many sets as possible throughout the night. That's their priority. So right. my priority and their priority doesn't match. So if I'm doing a showcase where I booked all the comedians in advance, figured out a set list, an order for all the comedians, and that way if someone's weak, I got them sandwiched, I got someone closing, I got someone who shouldn't be closing, doing, doing a good part up time. And what happens is they'll say, well, I'm doing another show, so I'm coming in late. Or I'm, I got to leave because I got another show. Can or, you put me on earlier so I can get out of there? Right. Well, okay. That's that's great, but you know, the worst. If you want to go early, that's fine. I'll put you on first, and you could do two sets in a row. One of them was first, but you got your hat trick. You got three sets in a night. But if you are like, I'm running late because uh, oh, Starline is running late or something, and then what happens is that there has to be a cutoff point for performers. If there's a 90-minute show, after the hour, that's it. Right. You can't show up 20 minutes before the show and expect to go on for several reasons. Fuck you. <laughs> Showtime was, you know. And that's the number one reason. That's the number and one I've reason. been there. I've been there. There's so many comedians at every level that we see. Okay, again, we were just talking to Cody, and we were talking about different levels of comedians here in the Bay Area. There's 400 plus in the Bay Area. There's everything from, you know, uh, doing their act somewhere in some alleyway to all the way to getting fully booked shows in some of these venues of 500 plus. Um, but it, it's funny that how how much people don't understand that alone yeah uh well i mean i, I think they they have an idea of they got to do their sets and they're working it out and with an open mic it's understandable you you know you show up and you do your time and you want to leave but uh well so sometimes it's about 
or quality as well as quantity if you stay at one place especially if it's a showcase maybe you're gonna get an extra minute or two there if you're uh staying there and supporting that show and and really promoting it before you get there well let's put it this way if there's a tip jar at the end of the night and it's not one of those producers who call you a legend and a staple and then doesn't give you a cut at the door because they keep it to themselves right if if they're actually doing it i feel like you should wait till the end of the show if you really want to get paid you should wait till the tip jar is done there should be no venmo involved there should be no holding six dollars and 40 cents for two (laughs) weeks to give it to you i actually tried to pay a comedian that was actually an ass asshole uh-huh. at my show yeah. so he did a really great set he was awesome uh made the crowd laugh i let him run hella long because he he had the crowd and he was hella funny and he was very nice and cordial to me but then at the end of the night we had a situation where he started sending me messages and pictures and started bashing everyone on the show including myself not realizing he was messaging me Lyle uh, was, it Lyle, was it Lyle Barrett's? No, I'm just kidding. It sounds <laughs> oh, no, like I'm not gonna go any names, but it's funny because I said I told the guy, I told him, I like we were just telling earlier. I'll tell you exactly what the fuck I think of you. They said, "Oh, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings." I go, "You didn't fucking hurt my feelings. I I don't know you were shit." Um, I'm worried about the other comics that you're bashing on the show and what the how in the fuck you treat people and how yeah. two-faced you are. Right. And uh, so let me know your email address so I can send you your Venmo or PayPal payment. And I, I never want to talk to you. He goes, oh, you should block me. And I go, no, I want to take care of business. And then I never want to talk to you again. He blocked me. After you I him. went back to go. I go, what's his email anyway? And went back and those messages are there, but I can't click on his thing. His, his, um, his profile is no longer there. Yeah, well, that's fine. You know, I had a comedian who, well, I think it's what it is, is a comedian's crave an audience, right? But what? who is your audience? An actual audience? Uh, fellow comedians? Or your own inner monologue, blog, diary? You know, I had a comedian who wrote a, a very damning blog about my show. Uh, f- first off, prefacing about a performance at an open mic and then segue into my show and how... Uh, she, she, it was an awful set, and I really thought I was going to lose the room. So, but she got the final room. She got the final word, you know, because she, she told me like she complained to me. She told me on stage, "I want to talk to you after the show." And then she she spent twenty minutes complaining to me. She posted something on my Facebook three in the morning showing the original set, and then uh, she wrote a long blog. So she got the final word on it, but. What's your what's her audience? Was she telling fellow comedians to stay away from me? Was she telling audience members that this is the state of the earth? Right. State of the, but it's like it sounds like you you're disrespecting both the audience and the comedians in a way that like do you really like what's your point? I don't I don't uh Anyway, so do you ever get to the point where you say "fuck it all"? I don't want to produce any more shows. I just want to be able to just uh, well, do my own out. stage time and fuck everyone else. Yeah, I mean, if you get brought up, this guy runs a show on blank. This guy runs a show on Wednesdays. Oh, this guy has a great show on Thursdays. No one gives a shit. Just bring me up as a comedian. You know, there's no reason to, to just call me comedian and then bring me on. Because that's why I'm on the showcase as a comedian. Jeff, how does this sound? I mean, Jeff, how's have that you ever vitriol? produced any shows? No. And this is like the kind of thing that makes me not want to produce shows. This is why I'm sticking strictly so to So a lot that. of us get it caught into the track. Like you said, you've been doing yeah. it for 20 years. You probably fell into the trap as I did that, hey, we needed to invent more stage time. No, I just invent more stage time for me. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah. I, I, we, I wanted to invent more stage time for me. I was doing, you know, at one point in the beginning of my career a decade ago, I was doing like five open mics here in uh, San Francisco, but also uh, working a full-time job and uh, 
also uh, living on the peninsula. So a lot of my life was just sucked up and being uh, full-time parents, it, it, one of full one of two full-time parents for four kids was just, you know, it's just a lot of stuff to do. But it, it, it happens. Uh, sometimes you just want to be able to work smart, not hard, I guess. So if yeah. the less mileage you're making or the less stops you have to make, if you get more stage time, I mean, if you're producing a show that's a couple hours long, I remember some of the shows that we were doing on the Tenderloin early on were just... What spaces? Huh? What were the spaces in the like tenderloin? Like 800 Larkin or Nick's Crispy Tacos or yeah. even... Uh, the Tommy T's that was up for a while. We did a show for 10 months there. And oh, yeah? What, what night? Monday? It I did was the Tuesdays. Monday. Tuesdays, yeah. And so, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wednesdays. And so that was from like 7 to 9.30, and then I'm taking a bicycle all the way down to BART, or all the way down to the train, and then going all the way home. And I might have had a drink or two. Did something bad happen? No, I just might have had a drink or two, and you're going straight down a hill on a 10-speed bike with, you know, paper-thin tires, and woohoo! I hope I make it to the train on time because the last one leaves at 12.01. Yeah. And I've arrived there at 12.02 before, and believe it or not, they don't stick around. You know, I, I'm all for producing rooms. I think you, you don't have to host it. My problem is I always wind up hosting the shows, and uh, the very last second before the show starts, my head is, is in, not in the game. It's, it's more making sure the, the show starts and all the pieces are in place. So when I actually do my stand-up as a host, I have to kind of change it around because I'm not as prepared as if I was sitting there with my set waiting for my turn. So uh, if you run a room, just maybe not have you host all the time. Give yourself a good spot. Yeah, you uh, got to get a good guest yeah. host or uh, maybe not just one so somebody tries to take over your spot. That's another thing. I, I love comics, but I also watch my back every time I deal with a comedian. I was well, like, know, I got one eye open. I sleep with one eye open. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't trust anyone with the keys to the kingdom, but, you know, uh, having guest hosts definitely helps. It keeps it fresh and also gets you to be able to do a regular set and not have to stress on everything. Right. Yeah. And so you kind of get the night off. So, all right. How do we keep up with everything that you do? I know it's luggage Tuesdays. Tell us where to keep up with everything Mike speaks. Well, uh, I would love for you guys to listen to my podcast. It's, if you're listening to this live uh, on the streaming, I'm the show following Paul's. But it's L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. They are, it's on iTunes. as L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And later today, I'll tell you what the movie is. When, okay. with, when Patrick's on the phone. But 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 what about your uh, website for all oh, your comedy and so stuff? So you, you can do? check out uh, Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube.blogspot.com. Uh, Luggage Tuesdays is a site with a lot of links and, and shows. And I'm Spiegel Mania on uh, all the social medias. So uh, yeah, that's how you can find me. There you go. Right on. Um, thanks, Mike. And then, Jeff, give one more shout-out where we can catch you. I'm going to go into a break uh, for Patrick Carlin. I want to do the 420 shout-out. Oh, well, actually, I'm looking at this clock. Why don't we ever change this clock on this computer, Mike? I just put on a browser, time.is. I noticed that. It, you, you go to, like, time.com or something? Time.is. It tells me the exact time. Time.is. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Time is. And then I don't have to rely on the uh, studio's computers. No clock. shit. Yeah. Because every time I look at this, I'm like, I feel like I'm running it's, it's, late. It says it's 1998. There's something wrong with it. <laughs> There's something <laughs> wrong with it. It needs it. What it needs is a new internal battery. We can crack it open, put the little watch battery into it, set the clock, and we'll call it a day. Or get a new computer. 
or get a new computer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I won't even go there. I, I've already got mine going. All right, so, um, and you won't tell us what the movie is, so you guys, uh, how do you keep an it's, asshole it's, in suspense? It's, we'll find out soon. It's National Lampoon's Golf Punks. I just, Golf Punks? Yeah, with, with Tom Lampoons. Arnold. We talked about this before. How many fucking National Lampoon movies are there? I swear, every time do they're you know on YouTube. Number? Yeah, there's about... Uh, there's about... There's about well, there's there's the canon ones, the ones that everyone goes to. Whether it's but then beyond that, there's some second tier ones. But beyond that, there's blockbuster movie uh, that filled the shelves. Yeah, everything from directly to Netflix. Yeah. Well, I don't think even <laughs> Netflix has any. All the way to Animal House, greatest movie of all time. Greatest movie of all time. Uh, you got Vacation. You got Van Wilder. You have. Uh, that's it. A senior trip, and then then you just got directly golf punks, gold uh, diggers, wasn't dirty there movie. Van Wilder, like Taj's Revenge or something like that. Yeah, and that hit the theater. That was such. I haven't seen that it. Sucked balls. Yeah. Well, it so. didn't even have. I don't know. I, I just refuse to see it. Just I love the title Van Wilder because that was the first taste we had of uh, what was it? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. If you didn't watch two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And I didn't. All right. So there well, you he's go. been around. Ryan Reynolds has always been around. I just never noticed him. Yeah, no, yeah. he's funny. And there was somebody else in that movie that I was trying to remember. But anyway. Oh, it's uh, we, Cal, we, Cal Penn, right? Right, Cal Penn. But there was some other, the girl, I'm trying to remember that girl, oh, Tara oh, I don't Banks. Remember. Tara, Tara Reed. Tara Reed, yeah, not yeah. Banks. Tara Reed. And then there's somebody else that's like, it's like their first movie in there, I want to say too, but I can't remember who it was. But I was it was like, Meryl oh, Markle. Huh? Meryl Markle? Sure. Yeah. The, the the princess the princess that was her first movie okay that's what it was that's what it was Meghan Markle yeah good old Meghan Markle all right guys um, are we getting any closer who knows I think we're getting there uh, yes we are we're gonna go into a musical break we'll come back with the 420 shout out with Patrick Carlin after this uh, we still got Mike Christine and Jeff in studio so yeah. don't go away. Okay. I seen your picture. Your name is lots of loving. This is your big.
All right, guys, you know what time it is. It is 420 on the right coast, and as far as I'm concerned, it is 420 on the left coast. Usually joining us live from WDST in upstate New York, but right now he's somewhere in the deep, deep woods in the old Stoner Cafe. Give it up for our boy, Patrick Carlin, everyone. How hey, what's up, buddy? Up there? I'm blowing smoke rings, man. You're blowing smoke rings. What's what's the flavor you savor today, sir? Homegrown, baby. Homegrown. Yeah, and it's perfect. You know, I'm not a connoisseur. I just like to get loaded. If it gets me high, I don't give a shit what its name is. <laughs> well, that's good. Are you you rolling? You rolled yourself a little pinner, or are you smoking a roach? I stay with pinners. I stay with pinners, and then I got like a little, uh, it gets down to where, and the roaches are great. It's, it's really nice stuff these guys are growing. I'm impressed with them. Long-lasting. I mean, I, all day long, I'm writing crazy shit, man. And you got your little jar of roaches right there, right? Yeah, right there. Right next to the radio. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on up there, brother? What's going on with you? Well, it's New Year's, and uh, I like that, you know. Well, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, and all you guys, because it's the same old shit, but it's a brand new page. And uh, you get get to, you know, fuck around with it. We get to hit the reset button once again. Yeah, you know what I liked? I liked that girl who who said motherfucker. Which one's that? that? And maybe I missed something. You probably caught something I didn't... She's one of those new people that got elected. They call her AOC, Alexandria, Octavia, somewhere. Oh, yeah, uh, 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 Ocasio. Yeah, they Perez. Had a picture of her doing a, you know, dancing at Boston College. And but it was a different person. Hold on, uh, we're gonna look it up. We got the people in the booth looking up the facts on this right now. What was it? They said motherfucker. Yeah. She called uh, Trump a motherfucker. Yeah. She said, you know, we're going to get rid of that motherfucker or some shit like that. And then they come and they, they get all, uh, you know, they get all irate because a girl shouldn't be talking like that. That's bullshit. That's total fucking bullshit. That's that's total hypocrisy. I mean, you got a president there talking about grabbing, grabbing girls by the pussy, for Christ's sakes. What the fuck is that shit? So, you know, a sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. And, it was uh, re- uh, Republican Rashida Talib, right? Oh, oh she's a Democrat. Re- yeah, she's a Democrat. Uh, okay, Rashida Talib says yeah, that Congress she- will impeach motherfucker Trump. Oh, she was the one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry I put it on the other girl, although she'd be happy to own it, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, they right. don't understand. These are fucking millennials. These are younger people. These are younger people. This is not Grassley and Orrin fucking Hatch and these fame, you know, old white motherfuckers that, that couldn't get their dick up if they had to, for Christ's sakes. And they, they're just useless old farts in there, all over 70 and shit like that. Uh, who, what the, get the fuck out of the way, man, and let these younger people get in there and say, wait a minute, you're a lying motherfucker. That's the way they should talk in those, they should talk that way. You know, fuck you, you asshole, that's a shitty law, you prick. And uh, I, I think the people would like it better. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, exactly. She was a Democrat, Michigan Democrat, 
became the first Palestinian American woman in Congress on January yeah, 3rd. Yeah, I believe that's what she was. Yeah, that was her name. A hard one for me to spell because he left out a vowel somewhere. And I and I'm probably mispronouncing it, but you know, I, I just want to make matter. sure we give her, give her her props where they're due, right? If you want me to pronounce your name right, shorten it up and make it something like uh, Chuck Meat. <laughs> Chuck me. You know, then I'll get your name right every fucking time. Half the time, I don't know people's last names. Honest to God, I just, I, I get on a first name basis with them, and then I get surprised maybe a couple of years later when I find out what whatever the hell their last name is. Because I don't, you know, it's, uh, I don't take shit too serious. No, you got to keep it real, right? And you keep it on that same level. You know, you you can't put anybody up on a pedestal or treat anyone oh, beneath God, you. Oh, God, I love those. Yeah, on a pedestal, do you know who I am? <laughs> my favorite phrase. Yeah, my matter favorite. of fact, I fucking do. Get the fuck out of my way. Yeah, I know who you are. That's why I don't give a fuck, man. Right. You know, I just fucking love it. I love it. I've heard uh, about your ass. Stay the fuck out yeah, of my way. We all we all know who you are. That's why we're pissing in your salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we remember you from last time, you fucking scumbag. Of course I know who you are. And they keep regenerating themselves. And it's funny because you find about 30% of assholes in your midst. It seems like a consistent percentage of assholes is about the 30% range. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're always going to have it. And uh, you have to deal with them, man. You treat an asshole like an asshole, and you treat a fucking real person like a real person, and you'll never go wrong. No, I, I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's there is something to be said about, you know, keeping your distance. Once you find out one of these people, you and I have talked about this. We can smell bullshit a mile away. Yeah. And, and, and as soon as you smell that bullshit, I just usually go, okay, well, here it comes. But I, yeah. I'd rather just take the other road and just oh, get yeah. away from them. Yeah. Just detour. Excuse me, please. I got to go take a shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's going to be more of a use of my time than dealing with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, from, you know. From one it's, asshole uh, to another. Yeah, from one <laughs> asshole to another, Jeff says. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I never... Uh, I, I've been, I was making a list the other day of different things I've been called, and asshole was right up top. You know, uh, I've had, I, you know, officers and uh, different employers or supervisors and shit like that, you know. And uh, sometimes being called an asshole by the right person is a, uh, you know, it's an accolade. <laughs> it's hard to hear the yeah. truth. Yeah, yeah, so that's one of the top three adjectives that you've been described as? Oh, I've been, yeah, well, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, fucking asshole, misfit, non you know. Uh, nonconformist? Were you going to just say nonconformist? Malcontent, defiant, contrary, those were ones from first and second grade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Piece of shit. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, oh, God, uh, I'm one guy. I hate so many things about you, Carlin, that I don't know where to begin. But the thing that I hate worst is your "I don't give a shit" attitude. <laughs> that one, I was so happy with that one, man. That was back when I was only 19 or 20 years old. But I mean, I was an asshole younger than that. I was an asshole when I was a tiny dude, and uh, you do it automatically, you know. 
you just picture any little kid in the world who's about three and a half years old going down in the elevator with his mother and uh, the la- a nice lady pats him on the head and says, what a nice little boy, what is your name? 99 out of 100 fucking kids would say Jimmy or Janie or whatever, you know. Only the assholes would say son of a bitch. And uh, that was me. I said, son of a bitch. And then to make sure that they understood I was an asshole, when my mother tried to cop out and say, oh, you know, he hears that from the, the men in the street, the garbage men and all. I said, my father says that all the time. So fuck you on covering up for me, mom. And that's being an asshole. And uh, I excelled at it. I excelled at it. That's, it just comes natural. Well, yeah, because you just didn't want to have to follow the rest of the lemmings off the cliff, right? Uh, I I, I wouldn't have been with those motherfuckers at at, at all. I don't like that shit. I like that. I was telling, uh, talking to Marlene this morning, I said, if I had to come back as a fucking dog, man, it would be a wolf. I don't want to hear about any other fucking dog, because they all came off of the wolf anyway. And the wolf has a kind of a nice way they do. They get a certain pack. They don't let it get too fucking large. They got a couple of the real hunters, and they they all work together. That's a good outfit, see? And they're not a herd. They're a pack. They're a pack. And the problem with people is most of them are with the herd. Moving with the herd. Moving with what are we doing? Where are we going? Oh, we've always done it that way. Oh, well, that's how we do it. You know, well, please go fuck yourself because I feel like just sitting right here and leaning against this tree and I'll catch up with you assholes later. You know, that's that. So you don't fit in. Fuck them. Well, it's kind of almost a, a badge of passage. It's not like you weren't one of the hip kids on the corner. Oh, fuck, what, are you serious? I, I declared myself cool when I was 11 years old in seventh grade. I came home and said, I'm cool. And that was that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, got it. I, am, uh, I was never uh, shy or nice or anything like that. You know, I'd, uh, I'd just come out and fucking say it and do it. And, uh, and just, uh, you know, I'm just, like, asshole is a good word for me. It's, it's a pretty good word. In fact, I wrote it about myself. I said, when you hear, I hear what I, when I, when I did a little scribbling this morning. I scribble now and then. Right. And I said, I don't question luck. I try to follow, oh, I try to follow clues she lays out for me. When you are 87 years old and you've been an asshole for as far back as you can remember to about age three and a half, then you, and you're still around, that is called luck. And I feel that asking any more of her would be greedy. So I just take it like it comes. And the funny thing about luck, and all you guys and girls and men and women and everybody, you all have to realize that sometimes luck comes with, it opens up like it's going to be a bummer. But, but because that bummer was going down and you were in that particular place, you met the guy who was selling genuine $20 bills for a dollar. 
you know? Right, so. I'm thinking speaking out and, and being that, you know, to use that phrase again, nonconformist or just being of your own mind, just being, you know, being yeah. yourself. I'm guessing it's gotten you in trouble in some times and I'm thinking it's maybe gotten you in a better place than you were previously at times. You're on the money. You're on the money, Paul. Yeah, really. Because that's exactly how it works, man. Well, you got to take being, a chance, right? You, you're just being yourself. You're just being your fucking self. And, and people will, of a similar thing, they'll, they'll just make sure that everything is good for you. Because Jesus Christ, man, you don't give a shit about that guy. He's a fucking captain. You know, fuck a captain. So? You know, like when I told that guy who tried to cut the water line ahead of me. After me, motherfucker. And this guy says to me, hey, that's Lefty. He's a big pitcher on the varsity team. I said, well, fuck Lefty. You know, you don't cut in front of Patrick. I don't give a fuck who the fuck you are. And uh, that attitude prevails. And it, 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 it shows itself not always as blatantly as that. It just shows itself like when you're in the when you're in the room where the, they're playing the records and all that shit, you know, like at the station. They got a big sign there that says no beverages. I think, what are you fucking crazy? I'm drinking a black coffee while I'm on the fucking microphone sitting there. No be that's a no beverage sign. That's that's fucking cool by me, but it doesn't mean I'm not gonna drink a beverage. Every fucking bar in New York City had a, a sign no dancing allowed because it was some kind of a New York state law. Huh? And uh, what year was you this? Wait, you what, you, what? what year was this? <laughs> it was meaningless. Do you think any people in the bars that we hung in didn't dance? When was because that? Of, that was in New York City. What year? Oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't like a blue law. It was just a thing that had to be in there because if you served alcohol and something else, you couldn't have dancing. It was one of those. So they had to put a sign up, just like they had to have food if they were going to be a bar. They had to be able to serve you a sandwich. <laughs> that doesn't still happen now, though, right? <laughs> I doubt. I doubt it, Christine. Oh, my goodness. I, but, I, but I hope it does because, because <laughs> the law and rules and shit are totally fucking meaningless in New York City. I don't know about any other city. But I know in New York City, you tell someone something's against the law and they just they fucking don't even hear you. Hey, what are you, fucking nuts? What are you talking about? Fuck you. And, well, when they're and, that ridiculous, how can you follow it? Oh, of course, yeah. And what they used to have for a sandwich, they'd have a, a just an old a couple of pieces of bread with a, a slice of ham like you'd get in the deli and, it, you know, and wrapped in wax paper. So that proved that you had food to serve as well as just being a bar, you know? Uh, <laughs> people are great with fucking rules. I uh, the, the rules makers, and they always look like that. They, the reason that they're so stereotypical is because they're tight people, and the people like yourself, Christine and Paul, and uh, it's a uh, uh, it's a different way. It doesn't affect you. I mean, I could I could tell you rules, and you fucking you just fucking ignore them like I do. So. And that's why I missed the man's name that you said. You said Jesse or something, and I wanted to hear it better of the comedian that's there. Jeff. Jeff. Jess? Jeff. Jeff. F. F. Frank Frank. Oh, F. Okay, Jeff. All right, listen, man. 
you know, this is all shit that I'm sure you talk about all the time, man, don't you? Rules. I got a complicated relationship with rules. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, like, uh, stupid rules drive me fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and like, you know, they say uh, probably, if, you know, if you've ever been sent to the shrink and shit, like happens occasionally if you're really, truly all fucked up, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, they're very, uh, they're very, they don't care much about whether you care about rules or not as, as long as you're getting by, you know. And because so many rules are meaningless. The Mark Twain, I saw a beautiful thing when I was out, and a, a guy had a, 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 a nice board up on his study or den or whatever the fuck they call it. And it was Mark Twain's 10 things to have a happy life or something. And the number one one was break rules. Break the fucking rules, man. Because uh, they're, uh, they're only there to impede joy. And you, and you got to know which are the real rules and which ones are bullshit. And you only find oh, that out. Oh, yeah, Jeff. You only oh, find yeah. that out by breaking yeah. them. Like, not I, all rules are bad. You got a, a very basic rule. Don't shit in your mess, kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that, to me, that's a good rule. That's, and <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I think know, they're only made to yeah. keep the lemmings in I, line. I think I'm going yeah, mean, to... keep and let the real people get rid of the sailor. No smoking in the gunpowder shit. <laughs> like, I can dig it. Right. Those, I can dig it. Those kind of rules, yeah, I, I'm going to trust those ones. Don't shit in your mess, kit. I can trust that one i don't need to try that one to that's to right it's that's right. Rule. Com- common that? sense says this rule this rule applies to me and i should yeah. follow this rule and the rules make themselves you know yeah going down a dark street late at night have a gun or a knife on board uh basic thought that you would do you know that's it bad shit split the scene Split the scene, whole lot of whole lot of people, big crowd forming, cops marching in, in uh, you know groups of eight or ten. Go home and have a bologna sandwich. Watch Get it the on the news. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking you know common sense shit. Should I walk home through the park or should I kind of stay on Broadway? It's four o'clock in the fucking morning. You know. Think a little bit. Be aware. Take those fucking plugs out of your fucking ears and look around when you're walking and say, why is this burly fuck looking at me and turning every corner that I turn? Perhaps I better get ready to turn suddenly, you know, and uh, just be aware. And the, the rules will take care of themselves, you know, like that. Yeah, you just be aware of your surroundings and, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. And life would work just fine. Yeah, good for you, Christine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And talk to people. And I don't know about eye contact. I make eye contact with everyone. I make eye contact with the motherfuckers that are mumbling. It'll probably get me killed some fucking day. But I I still nod at them, you know, and say, what's happening, man? And and move along. Uh, Eye contact is a... It's a good thing. Uh, I'm softening people up in my office building because I do the yeah. same thing. I walk by them in the morning. And I'm like, good morning. And they oh, have to yeah. look there. They have to look up because I'm like, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> good for you, Christine. No, good for you, because it, it, it shows that you're relaxed and you don't give a shit, man. You know, 
and 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 that's the that's the coolest thing, and especially if you're in strange surroundings or something, and and, you, oh, they, and people see that you're at home, you know. Yeah. You know, and we have no right, we have yeah. no intention of leaving our building, so I like to know all the people in our building. Oh, absolutely, because it's like a family. It, it always was in the neighborhood where we lived. They were all the six-story houses. Some had elevators. Some were walk-ups. They were they were built in 1905. One of my buddies out in uh, California has got a book that tells all about it. And 519 on 21st Street, where I grew up, was built in 1905. And we moved in there in 1941. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, man, you became a part of the neighborhood. You all hung out together. You hung on the corners together. You knew each other's sisters and brothers and all. You know, there was no fucking bullshit going on. I mean, that was the 30s and 40s were very basic decades. Everybody, you know, was working class. Everybody was out of work and just slowly getting back to it because Franklin Delano Roosevelt's wife, Eleanor, had a lot of soul and she saw the slums in New York and she said, you know, rich motherfuckers like us ought to do something to help the poor and got social going and shit like that. So, you know, it's all about having soul and not being afraid to share. And you got these greedy, grubby, top 1% motherfuckers that are grabbing it all and uh, don't care about those underneath and it's gonna boil up. It it will boil up because uh, revolution doesn't come with a warning. Ah! (laughs) Yell fire. Sergio, uh, yell fire, Michael Fronte. Yeah, and Spearhead. That's your people. That's Frisco. Yeah, he's out here in Frisco, and you've introduced him up there at the jam, right? Oh, yeah, man. Ganja Baby. That's another great tune of his. This whole fucking band is cool and all. And uh, it's all about reefer, and it's all about brotherhood. And you're either a worker or you're a a fucking, uh, you're up there, you know, taking it all. You know, one percent. The one percenters used to be a good number. The one percenters was what those mealy mouth fuckers like Grassley and Hatch and them would say. Well, that's just the one percent of the motorcyclers who give a bad name to motorcycling. No, they're not. No, they're not one percent. These are guys that just say fuck you, and this is it. And they live their way, and they live their code, and. Uh, you got no trouble with people who are living their code as long as you ain't out to fuck no one. By the way, we're playing a little bit of Ganja Baby from Michael Fronte in the background. What's that? I said we were playing a little bit of uh, Michael Fronte in the background, so. Yell fire? (laughs) No, Ganja Baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ganja Baby. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy, is that, a, is that a brotherhood thing? It is, it is. It oh, is. shit, yeah, man. You know, God damn, just bite one up and everybody's a brother and a sister. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got planned for the new year now that you've hit that reset button? What do you got planned for the new year? Oh, I, I don't make resolutions and shit, but I have things I'd like to see happen. Like goals, right? I'm glad you asked that. What's and on the, the things vision I'd board? like to see happen, I, I wrote it down on a little piece of paper January 1st. I sat down, and I was taking a smoke, and I wrote, I wrote uh, list 
list nicknames and things I've been called. Dean of Empathy, Street Philosopher, Hardcore, Idiot, Asshole. Uh, all right, that's the old stoner. Jobs I've had, so I put down here. I said, what things I'd like to see. I'd like to see Quinn's Bar and Grill get a real fucking uh, legitimate uh, literary agent to get it picked up by a real, you know, Simon and Schuster or someone like that. Uh, that's what I would like to see. Now, that's not a resolution, and it's not anything I fucking wish for, because I don't believe in wishing, because I'll tell you something about wishing. I'll tell you what my old granddaddy told me about wishing. He said, Junior, you wish in one hand and shit in the other, and tell me which hand gets filled up first. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, we were a nice, realistic family. My Uncle Frank used to tell my brother, he'd say, you better eat your celery, Georgie. It'll put muscles in your shit. Isn't that nice? <laughs> <laughs> and to grow up with, I like to grow up with people that, uh, you know, know how to put things. And uh, they, were, they were great uncles and everything. There you anyway, go. I... Uh, worldly so advice. Up. Worldly advice to live by. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see that... Uh, I'd like to see that happen for my for my story, you know, Quinn's Barn Grill, because I got people who've read the manuscript and shit. Yeah, I've and read it, it, and it's and it's great, and it should be out there in some kind of. Oh, it's I, a trip, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you did because it's a it's really out there, and uh, it's it's still it's a stoner thing all the way, man. These are our kind of people. Well, so, when you walk into the bar, when you walk into Quinn's, it, it feels like you've walked into a time portal into somewhere in like the, the late 70s. That's what it is. They're waiting for the steel ball to swing in 1978, January 78, and it's 77, and you got their adventures in there. There's seven short stories in the fucking thing. I, got so, I think someone's going to realize that and, and make it happen. And uh, the other thing I'd like to get done is the old Stoner Cafe. I want to get that really done as a Sunday morning show, and I want to have it where people uh, can have, if I do it up here in one of the places, they could have little brunch and shit and visit because I meet so many people that should, like you and Jeff should know each other, right? Right. And and Mike should know all of you because you fucking know our shit going on. <laughs> and they just, really, man, because if you can't get, ah, oh, I was watching some noir, I can't think of the names of them right now, but they were fucking beautiful, man. And uh, it was just this weekend. And, oh, Robert Mitchum and Raymond Burr, uh, my kind of woman with Jane Russell and shit. And it, they were—it was just fucking great, man. And uh, other oh, blue gardenia was—it <laughs> was a hell of a weekend, Mike. And uh, they sound like I'm, great movies. I'm I just happy that that's available and that and that people enjoy it. So I'd like to see that as a place where people meet people who can help other people, well, not just for a money thing. You know Pat what I mean? You Patrick, bunk into I someone and they say, "Oh shit, yeah, that's how you do this or that." <laughs> So that's going to be things I'd like to see for the year. Other than that, uh, I just want to stay one jump, you know, one jump ahead of the... the Patrick, fucking, I'll, t uh, I'll tell you this. From the last episode I will do, the final movie on the run of my show will be Detour uh, from the oh, 40s. yeah. The one where the guy's got a suite. All he has to do is go to this place and everything's going to be perfect. And then an hour later, everything's shit. So that's how we're going to oh, end the yeah. show. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Hey, and oh the, God, those are great. Those are great. And now, and now that I look at the time, it's perfect time. It's that time of the show where we find out what's on tonight. It's Let's nas- watch a full National movie. Lampoon's Golf Punks. National Lampoon Golf Punks. So don't go away. Stay tuned. Uh, you don't even have to divert that radio dial. Stay tuned right here to MutinyRadio.fm, or if you're getting it orgasmically or organically in my words uh, <laughs> any way you can do it uh, stay tuned or just record both of these download both of these podcasts but that's what it is um, so no no uh, resolutions just goals and um, and 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 good vibes going forward that's all yeah that's sure. all. all right yeah do the best you can man we're all in this leaky old boat together there you go. Um, you know what? It's getting that time, folks. Uh, I want to make sure we go around the table. I want to thank Cody Woods at the beginning of the show. Check out Cody Woods at CodyJWoods.com uh, for all his info. Also, uh, Jeff, thank you for being here, buddy. I My pleasure. It. Yeah, man. I'm happy thank to be here. You. Thank you for hanging out with us. And Patrick, thanks for taking care of the other side of the country for us, dude. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're in trouble if they wait with me. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, somebody's got to lead those fuckers. I'm telling you oh, now. They're all right. <laughs> <laughs> they're all right. Hey, uh, you guys, keep standing up. Don't go away. We got Mike after this. And you know what? We were talking about being uh, not just one of those lemmings that falls the other one off the cliff. That You have to strike out and be your own. And this is a little something from your little brother. And this goes back to a George, uh, to a Dennis Miller interview that he had where he talks a little bit about himself. But then he kind of sex ways into someone else we might know. Uh, we'll keep talking to you guys next week. Keep standing up. Uh, next week on the edge, folks. Good night. All right, man. See you later. I, not only did I serve, but I was actually killed in combat. <laughs> and I got out early. I beat him. I screwed him. I fucked him out of a year. It's a four-year hitch that you're supposed to have, and, and then four years in the reserve. I got... The, uh, by the way, I'd like to point out the dishonorable discharge does not inform you as to which party was dishonorable, okay? <laughs> I have my version of this. Uh, I'm exaggerating. I, I didn't get a dishonorable. I got the same discharge Kelly Flynn got, but not for From humping. the same guy? No. <laughs> And, and not even for humping. Hey, if I had known, if I had known in 1957 you could get discharged for humping, hey, I'd have been out a lot quicker. But I got, I got a general discharge under honorable conditions. I had three court martials. I, uh, my stripes, I went from, you come in as a basic. I went from no stripes to one, to none, to one, to two, to one, to two, to one, to none. And then they let me go. That was my trick. Yeah. I think they call that trench warfare. Yeah. You move they, a little they, ahead, they, fall back kept, a little yes, bit. Yes. They kept telling me to get snaps on those chevrons, Carlin. Get snaps. <laughs> but uh, it must have been every, it must have been everything you you had to not question every piece oh yeah. of bullshit admonition of they gave you. I can't imagine you yeah. in, in that setting. I'm gonna tell you the three charges for the three different court martials. Uh, insubordination, oh, of course. Uh, disobeying a lawful order and falling asleep on guard duty. And my brother, God bless him, I patterned myself after my brother. He got uh, he got a, a court martial for inciting federal troops to riot. 
Isn't that great? Yeah. He, he, he talked all the radar guys into going over the chow line and beating the shit out of the cooks. So he had his way, I had my way. So the, the Carlin boys, there yeah. was a precedent there yeah. for you yeah. when you came in. A lot of paperwork under that C-A-R-L-I-N. A lot of paperwork. Now, that, that's your specific experience. What, what would you say in the overview about the concept of war. I mean, it, it seems war. so, yeah, just... Uh, well, first of all, it, it is great theater. It's great entertainment. I mean, they don't call it the theater of war for nothing, the European theater, the Pacific theater. I know it's a show, and, uh, and I'm here for the show. <laughs> I figured that out a long time ago. You know, philosophers say, why are we here? What is this all about? I'm here for the entertainment. I just like... Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. Asiento. <laughs> Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryan. Meet friends for a drink. Have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays. Taco Tuesdays. First Wednesday, live jazz. Live DJs Thursday. Parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including. Why the theme? Uh, hey, hey? I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's... 
watch a full length movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that uh, aren't they good? Well, they're well, they're chosen by you. Uh, here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. A sketch show. We are so... We are so excited. Uh, <laughs> hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. This is L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, which is where you can find us on the RSS feed if you're looking for a new podcast. We are also broadcasting live on mutinyradio.fm, as we do every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Wow, and it's spelled right on the flyer. L W A F L M O Y T. Our new flyer is out, and we are actually listed as L W A F L M O. 